Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Tate. On the show this week, Nick Lacapo talks about a trick he did on the news in Orlando, Florida, and a trick David Copperfield did on primetime television. That's right, we're talking about Misled. The main event this week is the first of my interviews from my trip to Las Vegas, Nevada. He was the host of the very first Penguin Magic Podcast and is now working behind the scenes in the business of magic. I'm talking to Tyus. But first, the host of the Awesome People Talking Podcast, Braden Carlisle, joins me for the top five under five. Braden Carlisle, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast. Top five under five. You've got a wonderful podcast of your own. Uh, awesome people talking. I think you've had me on it. Thank you very much. And we were talking, and it would be a fun to do, your top five tricks in under five minutes of people who've been on your show. So let's start off with number five. Cool. So in no particular order, number five would be Piff the Magic Dragon in his penguin lecture. This doesn't have a name, but he has a fantastic routine for a card two and under card box oh two and under card box so it's sort of yes like a, it's a multi-phase uh t- tell me a little bit about the the trick uh, so how does it start and, and how does it has it end up sort of looping back in uh spectator freely chooses a card it eventually goes into the card box um they think the trick is over and then it's under the card box after that it the whole thing relies on a a gimmick card box that you make yourself oh that's really it's pretty cool. fun to do so yeah. it like it works but it also it like does some of the work for you Absolutely. That's that's excellent. So uh, hit me with number four. What's number four? So um, this one I've, I've seen, but I have no idea how it works. It's Nate Staniforth's The Lottery Trick. Oh, yes. So I actually yes. do know how this works, and I will oh. not be revealing it on, on this show because it's not for me. <laughs> uh, but that lottery trick that Nate Staniforth does is amazing. Where did you where did you see Nate Staniforth do it? Um, on, on Brian Brushwood's Scam School, I believe. Oh, yeah. Excellent. Uh, for those of you who don't know, you pick like five or six lottery numbers and then he gives you a ticket that has those lottery numbers on it. It, Mm. It's, it's a really amazing effect that Nate has put out. I think he has an entire book on it, doesn't he? He does. Yeah. Uh, I believe it's highly out of print and sought after. Oh yeah. I I know, (laughs) I know a couple of people who have it on their shelves, uh, but it shows up occasionally on the magic cafe or on the SM or the, the magic book exchange on Facebook. Right. Uh, yeah. Nate Staniforth's lottery ticket is, is incredible. Uh, give me number three. Uh, number three would be Morgan West, their balloon animals of death routine. Oh, tell us a little bit about this one. I've heard of it, but I have not seen it. Yes, it is very fun. It's a a prediction routine where they uh, Morgan and West make balloon animals and the audience has to choose which one they're going to kill um, out of <laughs> and, and they keep making more and it's it's more and more elaborate like. It starts out, this is Chloe the bear. Mm-hmm. Like they name the animal, it's all sad. And then by the end, this is like, this is the squirrel who enjoys long walks on the beach with his squirrel family. And at the end, there's um there's a collar with the, the name and type of species of animal written on it. Oh, so it's sort of like a variation mm-hmm. on like uh, John Archer's collared routine, but with, yep. uh, with a few other like comedy twists and turns. Yes, it's it's makes... It makes a routine that could be a few minutes long. Like I believe they do it. It's about 10, 10, 11 minutes, mm-hmm. um, but it's a lot of comedy in between the here's the plot of the routine and here's the end of the routine. Sounds good. Uh, let, let me mm-hmm. hear number two. So this one, you know, I don't know who it's by. It's it's this thing called a ultra lucky coin. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the guy who invented that uh, <laughs> is a terrible magician. 
right. Uh, uh, for anybody that doesn't know, uh, Eric Eric put out Ultra Lucky Coin. It's fabulous. Um, if you want to tell them about it, I probably can't do it justice, but I bring it with me to all my walk around events. I'm glad to hear that you're actually using it on all, all your walk around events. I am. For those of you who are unfamiliar with it, Ultra Lucky Coin, someone selects a card, uh, then it's shuffled back in the deck, a poker chip is introduced, a bet is made. If uh, your card is not underneath this uh, poker chip at the end of the routine, they get to keep the poker chip, but it's a black chip worth 100 bucks, so it, they, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff there. They uh, put the chip down on the spread, get it down to one card when, the, when uh, they chip is flipped over it says your card on the back everyone laughs the chip is turned uh the card is revealed to be the card they selected but then when the chip is turned back over the your card has transformed into the selected card uh it's sort of a finding a card routine with also like uh, the poker chip changing and everything's examinable at the end which is a lot of fun mm-hmm. uh and you, one of, go ahead go ahead oh uh one of my favorite things about that i just wanted to put in is it it by the time you get to where you need to be, the rest is so hands off that you're you're genuinely able to say to the spectators, and I and I didn't do anything. Yeah, it's which uh, is fun. That's really it's really great great to hear that you're you're using it. Um, all right, mm-hmm. I guess, let's close in on number one. What's number one? Number one is Pop Hayden's linking ring routine, that, which is fabulous. It's a really great routine. It is. It's a it's a four ring routine for the most part. He mm-hmm. introduces some some more rings at the end, but it's he uses two rings and the spectator uses two rings. And he is doing very complicated moves, and the spectator is able to follow along perfectly, much to, uh, much to his dismay. It's. Uh, I remember seeing Pop Hayden's ring routine at the Magic mm-hmm. Castle many years yes. ago, and I was glad That's that he I put saw it out because <laughs> I think you can actually get it. Um, I think he actually has it all on DVD. And uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I have his notes for it. I don't have a DVD, um, but yeah. I, I believe it exists. I, yeah, I, I know that he has notes for it. I think it's on video, mm-hmm. but it's a really great, great routine. Well, uh, Brayden, thanks so much for having me on the podcast. and, and or, Sorry, thanks so much for being on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, no and, problem. Uh, and it's really great that you've been able to interview all of these people uh, and uh, and make a, a, a very abbreviated list because you've had some wonderful people on Awesome People yeah, Talking. I really have. <laughs> The big interview this week is direct from Las Vegas. Longtime Penguin fans will recognize him from his contact juggling DVD, but these days he's managing some of the biggest names in magic and helping to produce shows all over the world. He was gracious enough to host me in his recording studio where he is the co-host of the Banachek's Brain podcast. This week, I speak to Tyus, and now you get to join our conversation. Tyus, thanks for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast. This is the second day I've seen you this week on this Vegas trip. Yeah, it is an absolute pleasure. And, I, although yeah. I've run into, you've been going through place to place to place, <laughs> and all these magicians are contacting me being like, yeah, uh, I just got interviewed by this guy. He got me too. I, every, so you're kind of, you're you're leaving a trail through Vegas as you progress. It's just, I, well, it's just, you know, slash and burn all of my contacts and then get the interview. Now, I've had some great interviews this week. It's yeah. been really nice. And you've helped set up a couple of them, which I really appreciate. So. My pleasure. But I wanted to talk to you, uh, first of all, because you had one of like the earliest Penguin downloads that was ever out there or tricks that we put out well there was a few things that we put out we put out uh, a contact juggling video which that's was it awful. that's what i heard about yeah oh you heard about it I, yeah infamous yeah. the the contact juggling it's video it's um I, i'll reserve judgment because i have a bad juggling i don't even know if you can get it so don't worry about it uh, guys if you can go out there and get it uh please buy something that's worth getting uh not this uh there's so many good things on Penguin's site. This yeah. is not the top. We did that, and we did a coin roll video. I had the Guinness World Record oh. for the fastest um, coin roll for a while. And so then we... When, they, did you, when did you have this Guinness World Record? This is a long time ago. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, this is back when Penguin was in Vegas. 
Oh, that's right. Because yeah. it was it was a long time ago that we were here. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And we also had uh, the very first Penguin podcast uh, was me. You were yeah. You were not just the first Penguin podcast. You were the first Magic podcast. First Magic podcast. Yeah. yeah. For, first, mm-hmm. I think on performance, like mm-hmm. the podcasts were so new. I actually yeah. give a lot of credit to Penguin for what they did. You like like instant uh, instant viewing of videos of magic tricks everyone looks at that and it's like oh that's a normal thing no yeah. somebody had to do it first it was penguin it's uh, yeah <laughs> it it's a big deal really interesting working for this company and seeing all the things that we do and yeah. uh, it's cool to talk to someone who was like the early days and I, I feel like since you were the first penguin podcast and i'm the sort of second in your successor am i doing okay dad you, am you, i doing okay uh, oh, dad <laughs> you have my blessing oh excellent uh, you know funny funny thing is those are not available anywhere on the internet, I was looking, and because uh, we talked about this, yeah. and I was like, "Man, I, I wish I could track that down or find it." Mm-hmm. So I found an obscure hard drive, and I found the files. So uh, for your listeners, if they want them, okay, uh, if they email me, uh, my email address is tyus at tyusfrance and they mm-hmm. put penguin in the subject line mm-hmm. i will make sure they get the entire collection of the original ones which you can't get online anymore and they still have all kinds of like advice there's mm-hmm. good stuff in there yeah they, yeah. they were good because i remember listening to them when they first came out thank you that's very generous of you that's making that available to our listeners I, I was trying to track it down i got yeah. like really frustrated why don't those exist <laughs> um yeah so but let's let's shift into some something really important is that you are you're managing magicians yeah. and doing business stuff and producing shows, which is very interesting because a lot of magicians are sort of a one-man band. And yeah. you're working to make that you're, – you're working with magicians to sort of help them improve their careers and strategize. And how, first of all, how did you sort of fall into that? So I came out to Vegas to be Lance Burton, and he already lived here. And That's a shame. It was a real frustration. Yeah. Um, so I thought it was going to be just a piece of cake. But I came out here. It turned out it wasn't that easy. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up. Oh, sorry. There's a dog barking. We're interviewing in my house, and my dog thinks he's on the air. Which I, I, for our podcast listeners, uh, Tyus uh, is actually you are a co-host and produce uh, Banachek's brain. Yeah. And uh, Tyus is very gracious in letting us use his studio for this, which is why it sounds so much better than the usual podcast. Or, or terrible. We'll see. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I came out here to be a performer, mm-hmm. uh, and I. That ended up happening, so I ended up having a, a show at a few different places mm-hmm. uh, over a few uh, over four or five years or so. And uh, during that process, I was meeting all of these all these people that helped out uh, behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. So I one of the first things I did when I came to town is I volunteered at a, a local illusion builder's place. Okay, and I said, "Hey, I'll work for free because mm-hmm. what I had was time." So I was like, "I'll work for free." Yeah, and I'm thinking in my head, "I'm going to meet all of the best guys. They come here." So I'm going to make these relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I, I ran into a, a guy named Charles Bach, mm-hmm. and I was like, hey, uh, I hear you're coming out with a, this watch deal video. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm good at video, and I'll master a DVD for you absolutely on the house. Like I was just creating connections yeah. by trading what I knew. So when I started, um, when I started performing, mm-hmm. I, I started realizing, oh, my God, the lighting guy is a magician, but he just hasn't had that opportunity. The, like All these people are behind the scenes, and the ones that are winning – Copperfield, Chris mm-hmm. Angel, like the ones that are winning actually have the biggest teams. They mm-hmm. have the best people. But too often, everybody wants to be on stage. And if we could work together a little bit more, mm-hmm. if there's a little bit more of a unifying force, we would get so much further. Uh, yeah. So after I stopped performing, uh, I kind of, I, I just, I worked for Apple for a very, very long time, big fruit mm-hmm. company. And um, and they taught me a lot about leadership and, and business mm-hmm. and 
project management and mm-hmm. all that stuff. So I kind of just said, oh, I'm done. We're, we're done with all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting around doing nothing. And a friend of mine who's a magician said, hey, you should manage me. And, uh, okay. and so I did. And kind of put my toe in the water. And, and then soon enough, bigger names were connecting with me. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's, that's how that happened. Can you, uh, for our listeners, uh, I think people here, you know, I manage ex-magician or uh, talk to my manager. Can you talk a little bit about what a manager actually does? Because I think there's a lot of misconceptions around what that is and what the relationship is. Yeah, there's a ton of that because I probably three times a month, I'm on the phone with somebody who's asking me to be their manager Mm -hmm. and they don't know what it is. Yeah. Uh, Because I think the, the perception is that a manager is somebody who just gets you work. Mm-hmm. And it's not exactly what a manager does. Mm-hmm. What you're thinking of is an agent. Yeah, an agent goes out there and and connects you with a client and takes a percentage in the in the middle of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, a manager handles everything. Mm-hmm. So that could be your marketing, your finance, your relationship with agents, mm-hmm. uh, your career path, and uh, and strategic planning. They're really a business partner, mm-hmm. uh, and they're also really expensive because they don't take. A piece of the gig they take a piece of your career yeah so you generally I, I talk everybody out of it I spend a lot of time being like you don't want a manager mm-hmm. you want a manager when you have so much work that now you have to make a big transition in your life where you're like okay now I've got to raise my prices mm-hmm. to, to reduce my amount of work or yeah you know what I just landed a TV show and now it's a big deal I don't know how I'm gonna handle all of this stuff that's when you want to bring a manager into play mm-hmm. for the most part most people really don't want one they're not like, no, I, don't I, th- I thought I wanted one for a long time, but then I realized that no, I didn't. I didn't need that. I, I need. An, I need to work with agents, which I do. But yeah. a manager was not something that I needed at this point in my career. Yeah, yeah. I, and I'm happy to help. Like yeah. I, I, everybody that reaches out to me, I, I just I already gave away my email address. Uh, everybody that reaches <laughs> out, I, I really try. I'll do my best to help anybody that I can because mm-hmm. I do feel like a lot of people feel like uh, magic is a zero sum game. Mm-hmm. I win, they lose. Um, but that's really not how it works. It's Sorry to interrupt, but this week the podcast is brought to you by Misled. Nick Lacapo stops in to talk about one of the most amazing pencil through bill effects in history. So I know this is coming out a little bit uh, far from when this was, but uh, as of this recording, Nick, you were on TV recently, right? In Orlando? <laughs> Yes, the morning. Uh, good day, Orlando. Good day, Orlando. And uh, they so they introduced you as the owner of Penguin Magic, which is not true. Absolutely true. <laughs> and uh, and then you did misled. I did misled. Well, I did some other tricks too, but misled is the one that they chose. And I mean, I think I know why. Uh, misled is just one of the most. It's eye candy. It's, it's, yeah. it's beautiful eye candy that is practical and you can do anywhere. It's a perfect illusion too, right? Uh, the I remember seeing David Copperfield do this on TV. I'm yeah. sure you've heard this story before from other people, but mm-hmm. I had zero concept of how such a thing could be done. Uh, that was the day that, you know, I think I tell this story on the instructional video, but the day that I learned that I could buy misled as a magic trick, mm-hmm. I was like, that can't be, that can't be possible. What, <laughs> why would, why would, how, how, you know, how, how can you buy real magic? Uh, yeah. That, I thought it was real yeah. magic. So I mean, do they send fairies in the box? What? When that came in the mail the first day, I, it was Christmas morning. Like I was just losing my mind. I'm like, I cannot believe I'm about to learn how to shove this pencil through this bill, rip the bill and then have it melt back through. And that's exactly what the effect is. It's a, yeah. it's a pencil through bill that is so clean and it's just so, so strong. Again, I think I have the coolest job because I'm just handed these great old tricks where I get to reteach them and and show people how great some of this old stuff is. And misled is one of those tricks 
where it, it's people don't do it. I, no. I, I, people I don't, don't do understand it. why people don't carry uh, misled on them because yeah. it, it's I mean, it's equally as strong as uh, double cross or uh, torsion restored or any of those sure. other effects that people are carrying on all the time. And a perfect video trick. Yeah. You know, the angles on it are great mm-hmm. for camera. I'm I'm real comfortable performing it. It's something that I'll never stop doing and fun to perform. Yeah. I mean, it's like a fun to practice trick because mm-hmm. it's got some kind of things in there. None of it's hard, mm-hmm. but it's, it's a fun one to just go through the motions to yourself and do it in the mirror because it just looks so good. Get, get misled. You need it. That was misled available at penguinmagic.com. And now back to my conversation with Tyus. Yeah, I, and I'm happy to help. Like yeah. I, I, everybody that reaches out to me, I, I just I already gave away my email address. Uh, everybody that reaches out, I, I really try. I'll do my best to help anybody that I can because mm-hmm. I do feel like a lot of people feel like uh, magic is a zero sum game. Mm-hmm. I win, they lose, um, but that's really not how it works. It's mm-hmm. if there's enough good performers out there, the demand increases. Mm-hmm. So when Justin Williamson does um, magic for humans, yeah. and Chris Angel's doing Mind Freak, and Copperfield's crushing it yeah. at the MGM. Like everybody's seeing good stuff, the yeah. demand actually goes up. Yeah. When 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 everyone is doing well, magic becomes a part of the cultural zeitgeist. Then no one is looking at you, going, "Why would I want to have a magician at my company party?" Or "Why would I want to do this?" They actually they see it as a recognized art form. And I I think we're kind of in a bit of a golden age of magic right now because whether you agree with or not what's going on with Fool Us or the some of the magic that's going on on Justin Wilman's show or even DMC's Death by Magic, what you can't argue is that people aren't, aren't going like, oh, I, I don't want magic anymore. Like, there's enough of a demand for it. Yeah, demand, demand's yeah. clearly there, at least right now. At the moment, yeah. And that demand was made by those people that worked really hard to have those opportunities. Yeah. So, I, I you know, it's the all ships rise together type mm-hmm. mentality. What, what's a... What are a couple of common business mistakes that you see sort of magicians who are working to improve their business make? Yeah, so everybody makes the same mistakes. Anytime somebody's passionate about what their art form, mm -hmm. whether it's magic or or dance or any, Mm -hmm. any artist... Uh, they they often are focusing on their art form the way that they like it to be, mm-hmm. which I don't I don't wrong them for that. But ultimately, from the business perspective, that's your product. Mm-hmm. You might look at it and go, "This is my song. This is my routine. This mm-hmm. is my dance. Whatever." Mm-hmm. But that's actually your product, and so you have to start from the client's perspective and say, "What does this client need, mm-hmm. and what am I filling in for them?" And ultimately, performers only really fill a few gaps. Like mm-hmm. they can draw attention, they can they can pull attention, so they can either take attention towards something people want, mm-hmm. away from something people want, or they can leave a memory for an event. So you, they can be like, "Oh, that was an amazing thing because that was there." Yeah. But that that's really the gap that they fill. And once they once a performer understands that. Once anybody in, in the gig economy mm-hmm. understands the need that they're filling, then they can ad- identify a market that they should go after yeah. and then create their product based off of the market that they want to go after. Mm-hmm. Too often, people create a product and they have no idea where they want that product to go, so they just start blasting it out there to everybody, wasting money on marketing mm-hmm. and wondering why it doesn't seem to be that appealing to all the people that they're pitching to. Because they're they may what they really have is a corporate show and they, they're wasting their time sending it to colleges or vice versa. Or even, you know, a birthday party performer should not be, you know, working, you know, trying to get on cruise ships because it's not not all things are created equal and they're very different audiences. Exactly. Yeah. If, and oftentimes the show has this piece would be great in a comedy club. Mm-hmm. And then this piece will be great in a corporate environment. Mm-hmm. 
the fact that those are together makes it so you can't do a corporate environment or a comedy club. Like, yeah, so you limit yourself by choosing this material. Yeah, and they'll, they'll scattershot it across all these different things. They're like, oh, I love this idea and this mm-hmm. feel. And yes, you've you've made something that's very diverse. Mm-hmm. And by making it so diverse, you've actually left yourself not targeted toward anything. And mm-hmm. ultimately, that means you're not going to be able to sell your product. How do people start to figure out what market they're for? I, I guess because that's like a... a you know, I think of myself as a corporate performer these days because uh, I don't perform at comedy clubs very much anymore. I used to, but now I'm doing a lot more corporate gigs. And and as I move slowly into stand-up, I'm sort of exploring that because I'm, I've been doing a close-up thing for so long. But when you're sort of getting out and going, I think I want to make a business of magic, how do you sort of identify that market for yourself? Well, if, it, if you're truly looking at it as a business, then it has to have, it, it has to have margin. Mm-hmm. And, and it's what I mean by margin is you've got your cost, You've got your price, and then you've got uh, your value. Mm-hmm. So the cost is what it actually costs you, which mm-hmm. people don't think about like, oh, my travel, my equipment, my yeah. my time, my training. They usually just charge their time, and they don't think about, oh, I've spent yeah. $30,000 over the years. So that's your cost. <laughs> that was an early lesson for me. Yeah. It's like, oh, I, <laughs> I spent how much in gas to get to this place? Yeah. Then between your cost and your price... Your price is what you're going to charge your client, mm-hmm. right? So there has to be profit in there. And the reason there has to be profit in there is things go wrong. Mm-hmm. So if you only do everything for what it costs you, then ultimately you're going to go out of business. Mm-hmm. If you do everything for, for your price, you're going to do fine. But ultimately your price can't exceed the value that the customer gets. Yeah. There has to be a delta there because that's where they get value. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking at it from a business perspective, then you go, okay, you look at the finances of it. Mm-hmm. But that's not what everyone's motives are. Some people's motives are, I want to, uh, I want to be famous. I want to be popular and, mm-hmm. uh, and other things like that, um, which there's nothing wrong with that. Like mm-hmm. who's to say what's the right thing? Or I want to be an artist. Right. Yeah. Um, you've interviewed Xavier Mortimer. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Xavier is yeah. not um, financially driven person. No, he's an artist. Uh, he really, really cares about the integrity of the, and the quality of what he does. Mm-hmm. And his stuff is insanely difficult. It's, and it's, beautiful yeah it's really it's really a, a a wild and different show yeah so for for him it's very much about like okay how do i how do i create this piece and mm-hmm. and then how do i find an audience that's going to appreciate that piece mm-hmm. so he comes at it from a very very different angle than what i would say if you're like how do you how do you choose your target market well mm-hmm. you look at the finances of it yeah. like that's the businessman's version of that and mm-hmm. you like i would look at it right now and i'd say well don't even be a don't claim you're a magician. Claim you're a public speaker and use magic within mm-hmm. that because speakers can be making twenty to fifty thousand dollars a show, yeah. while magicians are not anywhere near that. Like the speaking market is wild to me because I've met a few of them and they've told they've quoted me their prices and I'm just like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and, amazing. And I book several of my performers as speakers mm-hmm. um, because it's just if you're going to do a corporate event, that's a better market. It's interesting how that small change in just marketing the what you are can can dramatically change the price. Cause, yeah. yeah. It, and it's also a, a differentiator. One mm-hmm. of the easiest ways to increase your worth is by making yourself different. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think that the way to do that is to get on America's Got Talent and win, mm-hmm. which, sure, sure, that works. Yeah. But you can also become the the best mentalist, the best, mm-hmm. the best whatever. The, the trick to doing that is you take two things that you like mm-hmm. that are unassociated that nobody's played with before and you bring those two together. Mm-hmm. So Chris Angel took rock and roll yeah. and, and illusion, put those two things together, and that's mm-hmm. what he created. Copperfield was really the first story... Well, he wasn't the first. He was the first storyteller magician that put it on television. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I work with Banachek, and Banachek mm-hmm. is 
a super skeptic and a mentalist mm-hmm. um, put together. There's not those don't exist actually before him. So that's no. you create this incredibly powerful niche if you can. Mm-hmm. Rather than try and make yourself open to every market, mm-hmm. is actually if you tailor your market and get it really, really niched in, then you have the opportunity to explode. Because when when you're very narrow, it, it's much easier to define what everything is rather than scattershotting. Yeah, there's I mean, there's billions of people, so yeah. you could be the shoelace magician and you'd do incredibly well because there's nobody doing. There's no shoelace magician, mm-hmm. and at every shoe show, and there's a lot of shoe companies out there. Mm-hmm. You're going to be at every conference. You're going to be the guy. Yeah. Um, so I'm not saying I don't doesn't matter if you're the shoe guy. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever you choose. You could be the milk magician. No, I think what everyone should take away from this podcast is it is a race to get to become the shoelace magician right it, now. Everybody go. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a land grab. Yeah. <laughs> um so that that's a way to increase your prices and develop mm-hmm. a target market is yeah. identify identify yeah. a, something about you that's outside of magic that you mm-hmm. want to bring in that makes your magic mm-hmm. a theme, a unique thing. And that's that's inherently going to give it its own target market. Mm. Uh, so, is there are there any projects that you're sort of like working on and ready to launch that you can tell us about and give our listeners a hint? Or I am, um, I'm not ready to launch it. It's a no. long way out. Okay, um, but I'm absolutely willing to share it. Yeah. Um, and maybe your listeners can help with it. So, yeah. I'm working on a, a the business for show business. I'm working on a course oh, on cool. how to. Uh, on on really how to focus and mm-hmm. get this stuff right, yeah. so that you don't have to make the same mistakes that everybody makes. It's just if we mm-hmm. can skip over that with wisdom from the past, from other people's yeah. situations. Yeah. So I've been writing it for quite a while, um, and I'm really right now I'm writing it for me, and then I'm going to revise it and write it for an editor, and then I'm going to revise it mm-hmm. and write it for everybody else. Yeah. Um, but if you got my email, Tyus at tyusfrance.com. If mm-hmm. you if you want to be involved, and maybe I can shoot you a chapter, and you can go, eh, this could be tightened up, and you spelled that wrong, yeah. uh, send me an email. I'm happy to share information, and uh, I always want to help. Well, I, I think that uh, I'm a little reluctant to release this podcast for free the way they usually are because there's been a lot of really good information here. But, but... Well, I'll take my cut. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but thank you so much for joining me on the Penguin Magic Podcast, and thanks for sharing all of this, uh, this great information with our audience. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks again to Tyus for the fantastic conversation, and thanks to him for letting me record on his equipment in his studio. When I'm on the road recording these interviews, I'm often in crazy hotel rooms or backstage in a theater where setting up the equipment can be challenging. So to walk into a ready-made recording studio was a real treat for me. I hope it was a treat for your ears. His equipment is awesome. Tyus was also instrumental in setting up some huge interviews that I'll be releasing in the near future, so be sure to give him a big thanks if you ever cross his path. As always, we're a weekly podcast, so be sure to subscribe and share these episodes on the Instagramophone or YouTubes with all your friends. If you want to chat with me about anything you heard on this week's show, you can skywrite it over a Renaissance Festival in the southeastern United States, or you can hit me up on Instagram at Eric Tate. That's at E-R-I-K-T-A-I-T. From me and everyone else at the P3 Magic Studios, practice, practice, perform. 